Hi, I'm Emmy the Story Lady, and I want to tell you a story. It's an Italian fable from the Renaissance period, written by a man named Giovanni Strappanola, from his book, Facetious Nights. We know it as Puss in Boots. A miller had three sons, one named Dusselino, the second Tessifone, and the youngest Cosentino Fortunato. He owned only three things, a mill, a donkey, and a cat. Upon his death, all his worldly possessions were evenly divided among his three sons. The eldest, Dusselino, received the mill, the second son, Tessifone, the donkey, and the youngest, Cosentino Fortunato, got the cat, a situation that did not please him one bit. Ugh, my brothers can band together and make a decent living with their inheritance. The donkey can pull the wheel at the mill and grind the wheat and corn. Well, what can I do with this cat? I will still starve after I eat him and make a cap from his skin. The young man did not realize yet that this was no ordinary cat who pretended to not be listening to his new master's plans for him. The cat soon spoke up, which should have told the young man something right there. When have you ever seen a cat talk? Do not fret, master. That means worry. Give me a pouch and a pair of boots for me to walk in the woods, and you will see that maybe your gift was the best of all. This was a most unusual cat, extremely clever. To catch mice, he hid and hung upside down so as to appear dead. He never failed to get his mark. Puss received his boots and wore his pouch around his neck. Into the woods he went, right to a place teeming with rabbits. He put some lettuce in the pouch, and using the same routine as he did for mice, he lay on the ground looking like a dead cat. It wasn't long before an unsuspecting rabbit ventured into the pouch, after the lettuce, and Puss closed it tightly. Toting the rabbit in the pouch, the cat went straight to the palace and asked to see the king. He was granted a visit and went up to the throne room. Bowing deeply, he presented the pouch with the rabbit to the king and said, Your Majesty, I come bearing a gift from my master, the Marquis de Carabas, a totally made-up name Puss used to make his master sound important. The king was delighted. Please tell your master I am pleased, very pleased, with his gift, and thank him for honoring me. Puss went next to a wheat field, and employing the same tactics, caught a few partridges that wandered into his open pouch. Returning to the king, his majesty was just as welcoming with his new gift. The clever cat returned again and again for a few months, each time bringing some new game he had caught in his pouch. Then one day, Puss learned that the king was to take his beautiful daughter out for a carriage ride in the royal coach. Excited by this news, Puss ran to tell his master of the plan he had hatched. Master, 
said he. If you but follow my instructions, your fortune will be set. You go and swim in the river exactly where I tell you. I will take care of the rest. His master, now well aware that this was no ordinary cat, did just as he was told. The carriage came soon after the young man disrobed, and Puss cried out, Help! Help! Someone please help! My master, the Marquis de Carabas, is drowning! The king heard Puss's pleas, and seeing the cat, he know well by now, commanded his guards to assist with this calamity. That's a disaster. The guards pulled the poor drenched Marquis de Carabas out of the river, naked, because the cat had hidden his shabby clothes. Puss ran to the carriage to explain that robbers had stolen the young man's clothes, despite the cat's demands that the thieves stop. The king instructed his wardrobe people to select one of his finest outfits for the Marquis de Carabas. The very handsome young man looked absolutely regal in the king's suit. His daughter, the princess, definitely took notice of their new acquaintance. As they exchanged glances, the king also approved and complimented the young man on his appearance. The king invited the young man into the carriage to ride with him and his daughter, who liked the Marquis' look so much she was already quite smitten with him. Puss was impressed with his own cleverness. The plan worked so well, he continued to orchestrate it, running ahead of the coach. He approached several groups of laborers in the fields they passed, instructing them to tell the king the fields they worked belonged to none other than, can you guess, the Marquis de Carabas. The king asked all the peasants working each field they passed, and all replied their master to be none other than the Marquis de Carabas. The majesty was most impressed with the holdings of this young man, a perfect suitor for his lovely daughter. Puss, still running as fast as his boots could carry him, came upon a magnificent castle, which unfortunately belonged to an ogre. All the land the king admired belonged to this estate. Puss asked for an audience with the ogre, but he already knew all about the ogre and his magical powers. He said to the ogre, I have heard that you can transform yourself into any animal, Mr. Ogre. Yes, growled the ogre, and to prove it, I will turn myself into a lion right now, which he did. Puss was terrified to be so close to a lion, so he leapt up on a roof. The ogre gave a hearty laugh <laughs> and changed himself back into an ogre. The ever-clever cat then climbed down from the roof and said, I was quite frightened, Mr. Ogre. But I don't see how you can also be a small animal, like a mouse, for example. The ogre bellowed, <laughs> Of course I can. Watch this. He changed instantly into a mouse and ran about the room for about two seconds until Puss pounced and ate him. Soon the king arrived at the castle, which had no ogre now. The coachman approached the gate and asked for permission to come inside. The cat ran outside to greet the king, exclaiming with glee, Welcome to the castle of the Marquis de Carabas. Is this yours too? 
asked the king. The grounds are magnificent, and I'll bet the inside is too. May we come inside? The young man extended his hand to the lovely princess, and a beautiful feast awaited them. It was already set up for some guests the ogre had planned to entertain that very day, before he was eaten by puss. The guests arrived as scheduled, and when they learned that a real king, real princess, and a marquis were already inside, they were intimidated by such royalty, and they left. The king, the princess, and the marquis and Puss, of course, enjoyed the grand feast. Soon the king turned to the young man and complimented him on his vast estate and grand banquet. Knowing that his daughter, the princess, was already in love with his host, the king said, I should think that you should take my daughter, the princess, as your bride. I give you her hand in marriage. The young man was filled with respect and gratitude at the king's suggestion. And he bowed deeply in response, saying, Sir, you honor me greatly. I would be most pleased to take your daughter as my bride. The marriage took place that very day, followed by another grand feast. From then on, Puss had a very important place at court and never chased mice again, except for his own entertainment. The End <laughs>